take the next three weeks on the disciples, uh, specifically on discipleship. Um, today I'm going to share, and if you have your notes in front of you, you can follow along, but I'm specifically going to share on the disciples' cost, the disciples' cost. Let me pray. Father, I pray, God, Lord, I pray, Father, that you would do something that is beyond me. Lord, I pray, Father, that for an anointing, God, Lord, I know that my preaching is good for nothing unless there's an anointing. And Father, that's the same for, for all of us, wherever you've gifted us, God, to do what you've called us to do. I pray, Lord, that you would give us the faith to respond, give us the ears to hear. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. amen. I wanna talk to you specifically, there's first blank that's there and there's, there's not a lot of blanks and there's some on the first page and next page, but just stay with me. And if you wanna turn in your Bible, we're gonna go there in a little bit to 2 Kings chapter two, 2 Kings chapter two, but I wanna share with you, as a believer, there's a blank that says we need something. What we need in order to make disciples is the anointing of God. The anointing of God. Without the anointing of God, we cannot make disciples. In other words, what is the anointing? And I'm going to share a little bit on that in a little bit. But I want to read to you Daniel chapter 11 verse 32. You don't have to turn there. says this. But the people who know their God will be strong and take action. Or they will do exploits. The people that know their God, we spent four weeks on knowing God. As we know God, we will be strong. We will take action. Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 18 says this, and then he told them, this is Jesus speaking, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. And they will speak in new languages or speak in tongues. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. That speaks about supernatural protection for the believer. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. And for those of you that counsel, that is, uh, I've heard this way, it's a promise from God that as we listen to a lot of things that are heavy or negative, thank God that we can drink deadly poison or it will not harm us though. God will supernaturally protect us. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. The Bible tells us that we are to declare the power of God to the next generation. That's not only to younger people. That's this generation. And so there's a, genera there's a lot of generations that happen here at Grace Point. And so we are to declare the power of God to the next generation. The Greek word for anointing is charisma. Charisma. There's another blank there in your handout. Charisma. Now, what is the anointing? The best way that I could describe it means that God's hand is on something. His approval is on something that we are doing for the Lord. It's like a smearing of anointment. It's referenced that way. Now, the word charisma is not charisma. Charisma, some people are very charismatic, some people have striking personality, and, and maybe that's the way God wired them, but we have to be very careful that we don't see somebody with charisma and automatically think they have an anointing to do what God's called them to do. 
Also, there's another word that speaks about the anointing. It's charismata, which means a grace gift or a supernatural gift that God gives to people. And so we also have to be careful when somebody operates in their gift and they may have charisma. It doesn't mean that they have charisma, which is the anointing of God or the power of God on what they're doing. See, folks, you and I are living in a time and a generation, and not just here, but across church age everywhere, that if we don't have the power of God, we cannot make disciples. It's not possible. The anointing of God is reflected in not really what happens on the outside when someone may be preaching or someone may be singing. You know, some of those gifts are are kind of, you know, outward expressions, and so you would see some things happen externally. It's what's happening internally. When somebody comes and, and shares the word of God, what is happening in the hearts of people is a reflection of whether the anointing is there or not. Now, I want to read with you in 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 14, because we're going to take a look at a man's life who requested the power of God. He requested that God would use his life for his glory, but there was a cost along the way. There was a cost in the journey. So 2 Kings chapter 2, starting at verse 1, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. The group of prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. But Elisha replied again, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together to Jericho. Then the group of prophets from Jericho came to Elisha and asked, did you know that the Lord's going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. But again, Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. Fifty men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance, and Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it. The river divided, and the two of them went across on dry ground. When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I am taking away. And Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah replied. If you see me when I'm taking from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. As they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men separating them, and Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his clothes in distress. Elijah picked up Elijah's cloak. Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up. Then Elisha returned to the bank of the Jordan River. He struck the water with Elijah's cloak and cried out, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Then the river divided, and Elisha went across. Now, Gilgal, beloved, what is Gilgal? Gilgal, if you notice here, there are four places that Elisha has to go through in order to get the power of God. 
There are four destinations that we all have to go through as believers. Now, the first place is Gilgal. Now, what is Gilgal? The Israelites, after 40 years of wandering, entered the promised land. They entered into Gilgal. God had told them that the entire generation must be circumcised. As a believer, it's a circumcision of the heart. Now, what is this a representation of? It's a representation of salvation in Jesus. The only way that we enter into the promised land, or in our promised land, is Jesus himself. The only way that we enter into that is through faith in what Jesus did on the cross. And so, as you can see, Elisha had to make a choice. And I'm going to just say this right now. I don't know how much I'm going to look. I'll probably look at the notes and things like that. But there's just something that's been in my heart over the last couple of weeks that, that's burning inside of me. And so I'm going to share it with you. And so I'm going to need you, because I know it's pretty quiet in here today, but I'm going to need you to just make sure that you're still breathing or alive. Once in a while, you can say something. And so now the first step is Gilgal. Gilgal is salvation in Jesus, but there's a lot of believers that stay there and never move on. And so they stop at Gilgal, but Elisha says, no, I'm not stopping at Gilgal. I've given my life to, in essence, I've given my life to Jesus, but there's something more and I'm going to move on. And so he goes to Bethel. Now, what is Bethel? Bethel is where God gives spiritual revelation. And so now we become a Christian, we give our lives to Jesus, it's where the promises of God become real. Do you remember Jacob uh, ran after tricking his father into getting the birthright, and he stopped at night in Bethel, he slept, and God met him there in a dream, and he woke up and he said, surely God is in this place. It's, Bethel means the house of God. And so now a believer goes from, I'm giving my life to Jesus, that's the representation where, where Gilgal is, and now we're in Bethel, but now we begin to realize we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is the house of God. This is the house of God. And so spiritual revelation becomes real. Heaven and hell become real. And God begins to see them. We come into church services and we're like, hey, let me show you what God showed me in the word, or let, let, me, let me show you this, but many believers just stay there. They stay there, they go from salvation, and then they, they get excited when they open up the book and the book starts popping off the page, but then they stop, but not Elisha. Then Elisha goes to Jericho. Now, what does Jericho represent? It represents victories in our lives. Remember, the wall of Jericho came down supernaturally, and then God begins to fight, and he begins to do victories in our lives that we know only God can get the glory for good things. Some of you have testimony that, God, my marriage has turned around, or, or my child has come back home and given their life to the Lord, whatever it may be. But then some people stop there, and they stop at Jericho. They go from salvation, they go from revelation, and then they stop at Jericho, but, but there was something else where... Elijah was going, and Elisha made the choice to follow him, which is the Jordan. Now, the word Jordan means to descend. What do we descend to as believers? We descend to a death. A death to self. See, people stop at salvation, and that's enough for them. Or people stop at, I'm enjoying reading the Bible, but that, that's it. Pastor, I'm not going any further. And we see some victory, but that's enough. But very few go to Jordan. And if you want to make a disciple of anyone, you have to go to Jordan. There has to be a death of self. And remember what Elijah said to Elisha. He said, when they came to the other side, 
Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken away. And Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. He, he wanted the power of God. He needed the power of God. He saw what the person before him did, and he said, I need the power of God. I hope the young people that are in this room can look at the older generation and say, God has used you mightily. We've seen the power of God, but we need the power of God. He said, you've asked a difficult thing, Elijah replied, but if you see me when I'm taking from you, then you will get your request, but if not, then you won't. What does that mean if you see me? If you see me, if your eyes are fully on me. If you go the distance, in order for him to see Elijah, he had to go to the Jordan. He had to go the distance. He had to go all the way. He couldn't stop at salvation. He couldn't stop at just enjoying knowing that the Bible is alive now. He couldn't just stop and see God do victories in his life. Beloved, there had to be a descend. There had to be a descend of death. Remember in 1 Kings chapter 18, there's a fight that goes on. Pretty much, it's, it's Elijah and, and all the fake prophets, and they're all, uh, it's like a standoff. There was about 850 fake prophets, 450 prophets of Baal, and, and so if you remember the story, they were going to call down fire, and, uh, and so the fake prophets are dancing, and they're cutting themselves, and they're trying all this stuff all day into the evening, and nothing happens. It sounds like much of the church today in America, they're dancing and they're shouting and they're screaming and they got light shows and they got this and they got all this stuff and all the fluff and all the nonsense. But beloved, believe me, I played enough sports to know that we can look at the scoreboard no matter what's going on in the field. We're not winning. We're not overall. But we could be. We could be. We could be. And so just like those other prophets that were trying to get attention of a, of a fake God, all of a sudden, do you remember what happened in verse 30? I'll read it to you in chapter 18, verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And so all the people approached him, and he repaired and rebuilt the old altar of the Lord that had been torn down by Jezebel. This is a warning today. And I'm not just speaking specifically I'm talking about church in general. There is a seductive spirit of Jezebel in the church that leads people away from praying. It's Jezebel that tore down the altar. What was that altar? It was, a, it was an altar of sacrifice. It was an altar of prayer. It was an altar of believing God again. That No matter what we do externally, we can't create an atmosphere that changes people from the inside out. There's something... In the church today that says, if I can just put together a formula, we get disciples. But it doesn't work that way. Mark 16 said, there's supernatural things that follow believers. Supernatural. There's something we need. It's the anointing of God. It's the power of God. Remember in 1 Kings 18, Elijah rebuilt the altar. And he didn't need to work himself up to get the fire of God. He didn't need to cut himself. He didn't need to try to impress God. He didn't have to create something in the house of God. One prayer, the fire came down. One prayer, and that fire wasn't just um, some emotional fire. The Bible says it burned everything away. Everything. And when the fire of the Holy Spirit comes, it burns everything away. Everything. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17 says this. 
do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Folks, if we're going to make disciples, we need the love of the Father. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. I don't know what you expected when you came in this morning. James and I spoke very briefly this week. He asked me what I'm going to share on, but to hear the praying and the worship team this morning, to hear the prayer before service today, I know that God is lining something up for us this morning. The Bible says, without holiness, no one can see the Lord. The word holy means set apart, different. We are to be different than the rest of the world. Without separating from this world, we cannot see God in our own lives, and people cannot see the Lord in our lives. People are looking for something different, someone who speaks different, acts different, reacts different, spends their money differently, their time differently. Folks, I'm, I'm telling you this because if COVID taught us anything, I, I, I hope I hope to God that for those who were asleep, they woke up. I heard someone say recently, you know, time was never the issue with the Lord because people say, I just need more time in my day. I need more time to spend with God. I need more time. But the reality is when everything got shut down, we had a lot of time. And how many of us really spent more time with the Lord? Amen. Including myself. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added. Seek first his way, his word, his way to do life, his way to parent, his way to be a businessman, his way. Hunger and thirst for righteousness and you will be filled, filled with what? The Holy Spirit. As we hunger and thirst for righteousness, he will fill us with the Holy Spirit. Elisha couldn't stop at Gilgal. He couldn't stop at a place of salvation. He couldn't just stop at, oh, wow, this is great, and let me tell you what I heard, or let me tell you what I read. He couldn't stop at just, oh, God's doing victories. He went to the Jordan. If he wanted the power, he had to go the whole journey. There is a power that you and I need in order to live right, but not just live right, to make disciples. If we're going to make disciples in this generation... When all of hell is coming against people, we're going to need power to stand. Power. The anointing of God. Pastor Daniel shared recently, those that are pure in heart will see the Lord. I'm going to share with you some of my testimony. When I was in middle school, Junior high, went into a deli. I think I was with a friend. It's one of the first times I began to drink alcohol because I stole some alcohol from the deli, went outside, and began to drink. My high school days were spent 
being drunk almost every weekend, from bars to clubs, to a lot of violence and anger and immorality. I shared this with the young people recently. My, my senior prom, all I could remember was getting in a limousine. And I was so drunk by the time we even got to the prom, I remember a little bit in my mind of, of sitting at a table and really the next thing I remember was waking up in somebody's house the next day. Somebody had told me that I had hit my prom date. I saw one picture. I showed the young people, thank God there was no social media then. I saw one picture of people carrying me out of a nightclub. They carried me around all night. I don't know what it was. And, you know, that night I had some drugs in my pocket or a drug in my pocket. And, and by the mercy of God, had to be the mercy of God, I did not take it because I had enough alcohol inside of my body. I probably wouldn't be alive. By the time I got to college, same thing, same story. Doesn't matter how high the academics are or the athletic program and fighting and almost losing my college opportunity. And then I gave my life to the Lord and I never had a desire to drink again. And then I came across a verse because I had an uncle who struggled with alcohol and said, don't be a stumbling block to somebody. Don't be a stumbling block. I said, Lord, whatever it, and I'm paraphrasing, but whatever it takes for somebody's soul. Sir, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes for a soul. You, you, you want to know why I believe we don't make disciples? And we have all these churches talking about discipleship programs, discipleship programs. Honestly, I don't think we care about people that much. I'm going to be very honest. I don't think we really care about people that much, let alone love our neighbor. Because if you're going to love somebody, you're going to have to die for them a thousand times. I came home from college as a Christian, and God started to say, Hey, Sal, what are you watching? <laughs> what are you listening to? One at a time. Okay, God, all right, throw this one out. I'd throw this DVD out and this DVD out. And I'd put in my, my Fred Hammond CD. I shared this with the young people too. I put in my Fred Hammond CD. How many of you guys Fred Hammond fans? Any Fred? We got f- five people. All right. So Fred Hammond fan, right? Then I put in my Hot 97 mixtape. God was like, who are you? <laughs> Those are two different people. Two different people. There was a young guy on my football team, Danny, and uh, he was a Christian. I wasn't a Christian at this time, and I remember a huge influence. He was from Hunts Point in the Bronx. If anyone's going to listen to hip-hop music, it's, that's, that's the place. But he didn't. And I asked him just a simple question, because we were in the car one time, and I was driving, and I said, you don't listen to this? I wasn't a Christian at the time. He said, I don't want to be that, so I'm not going to listen to it. Amen. That's all he said, and it stuck with me. And when I gave my life to the Lord, there came a time that God said, put all those CDs. Some of you, most of you know what CDs are. If you're young here, I'm sorry. He said, put all those CDs in a bag, and I put them in a black garbage bag. And I remember a family member like, what do you do? You could sell them. I'm not going to poison somebody else now. And so I put them in a, in a garbage bag, and I threw them out. 
I came across a verse around that time in my life in Timothy, and I'm going to paraphrase, but it says in a large house there's a lot of different things, a lot of different articles, some for noble and some for ignoble purposes. Now, some of you may sit here and say, well, Pastor, that, that sounds legalistic. I love Jesus. I don't think any of you would roll down your window and blast the music of a song that disrespected your mother or your wife or your father or your brother. And let me tell you something, I'm not gonna put on the radio and listen to something that disrespects the love of my life, who's Jesus Christ. So I ask you a question, what is the cost of a soul? What's it gonna cost you? What are you gonna lay down? See, what a leader does in moderation, a follower does in excess. Are you going to really join this army that God talks about, this last time army, the hour that we're living in? Because if you're playing on the fence, folks, you ain't going to make it. I'm just being very honest, you're not going to make it. Elijah got the call. This is going back now into 1 Kings. You don't have to turn there. But when, when Elisha got the call from Elijah, it was, it was very simple. He said, can I say goodbye to my parents? He said, okay. Had a little uh, dinner for the, for the community, and he left. And for some of you, you need to break from the past. Some of you still follow your parents' tradition, and, and it's, it's Christ over culture. It's Christ over culture. No matter what culture you're from. If it's something that doesn't honor the Lord, it doesn't matter. It's Christ over culture. In John chapter 6, Jesus preached a hard message. This is not a hard message. Jesus preached a hard message. He said, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood or you can't follow me. And the people were like, what? I can't do that. And in John 6, verse 66, the Bible says, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. You know, those disciples in John 6 that deserted him don't get the Bible verses in Mark 16. They don't get Mark 16. They don't get, and these signs will follow these believers. They don't stay the distance. They don't go to the Jordan. Maybe they stay at Gilgal and thank God I'm saved and when I die, I'll go to heaven and thank God for that. But, or maybe they stay at, at Bethel where it's like, hey, I just like acquiring knowledge and information and revelation of God and this is wonderful. Or maybe it's you've seen a couple victories in your life but they don't go to the Jordan. They don't descend. They don't fully surrender their life meaning God whatever you want however you want it. I've been in enough clubs and enough bars that I don't need to be some missionary bar hopper that I'm going to jump back in and try to ruin my testimony. I don't think so. You know why? Because I'm not going to do that at the sake of somebody else. Sake of my Lord but sake of somebody else when was the last time we made a decision for somebody else when was the last time we said i'm gonna lay this down because the bible says that the things are some things are permissible but they're not beneficial Amen. when was the last time we laid something down for the sake of somebody else that we would care enough that we would love enough that we would care what is the cost of a soul. My father has been, he died about six years ago now, I think, and uh, I came home, and God said, make the break from the alcohol, make the break from this stuff. And, and, and honestly, some of you heard the story before, I don't know where my father is as far as eternity goes. 
But I got to tell you that thank God before God, not a perfect testimony by any means, but an honest one. Thank God that the day that my dad, after I became a Christian, came home drunk one night after an event, and I had to sit there to make sure he wouldn't die in his throw up and his vomit. Thank God I wasn't sitting next to him at the table doing the same thing. Because that's what a testimony is. That's how you can make a disciple. That's how someone will respect you. They may not like you all the time, but they will respect you. And they will know that there's something real inside. Are you stuck at one of the four places? Are you stuck there? In 2 Kings chapter 2, I want to read a couple verses. There's a solution to this. There's a solution. Starting at verse 19, one day the leaders of the town of Jericho visited Elisha. We have a problem, my Lord, they told him. This town is located in a pleasant surroundings, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. Folks, if you and I are completely honest, that is a good picture of the church in America today. It's nice and it's pleasant and we don't mind raising children here and we don't mind coming in and being kind, but there's something wrong with the water. There's something wrong. But the water's bad and the land is unproductive. Folks, I believe the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I believe that. I believe that there's nothing impossible for God. I believe that if you stand by yourself filled with the Holy Spirit, you make the majority no matter how many people surround you. I believe that with all my heart. But we have to look at the scoreboard. There's something wrong with the water. There's just something in it. And I think we all have the sense of that we know there's, there's got to be something more than showing up to a building and, and coming to a building and I feel nice and I feel good, but I go home and I act the same way or I do the same things and I, I, I'm struggling the same way throughout the week. There's got to be something more. And Elisha said in verse 20, bring me a new bowl with salt in it. So they brought it to him, and then he went out to the spring that supplied the town with the water and threw the salt into it. And he said, this is what the Lord says. I have purified this water. It will no longer cause death or infertility. And the water has remained pure ever since, just as Elisha said. There is a stream called living water, which is the Holy Spirit. But there's something wrong with this source going out to the community. There was something off. It wasn't producing life. Things that were birthed inside of people were not coming to fruition. It was dying inside. Because something was off in the water until the salt, salt went back into the water. We are the salt. The only way you can live a salty life is by going to the Jordan. It is by dying to self. It is by descending. And if we descend like Elisha, we will come to a place that the power of God was not given just at Gilgal. And the power of God was not just given because we're reading a Bible. And the power of God was not just given because we saw a couple victories. The power of God came when the death 
of a man came, the descending of a man came, and the power of God came, that anointing came, when that person said, I will make a break with the world. I will make a break, whatever it costs, God, even if it's my convenience, even if it's something I like or I desire, even if it's something you think you can handle, that if we make a break, a complete surrender to God, he will give us his power. And when he gives us his power, we can finally make a disciple. Even if it's one for the rest of our lives, we can make a disciple. No longer, when the salt went into the water, the Bible says that it no longer was their death, no longer was their lifeless churches, but now there was power to give life. Stand with me this morning, please. We're going to end in prayer. So where does the power come from? 1 Kings 18 said Elijah prayed and the fire came. He didn't have to work it up. He didn't have to listen to five worship songs first. I was in the bedroom of my home. New Christian. I read in Book of Acts. Hey, baptism of the Holy Spirit, called a friend, asked him what it was. He told me on the phone, you know what I did? I waited three more months to go to, no, I didn't wait three months to go to a revival service. I began to pray in my room, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, control me. Holy Spirit, take complete control of my life. Every area, my mind, my heart, my posture, my reactions, my actions, the way I speak, everything. And you know what happens today? When we sin, he says it's wrong. And then we confess. And then he restores. It's amazing. He will take control if you let him. The song we sang, Make Room. Every time we sing that song, I think about it. It says tear down the walls of all our traditions and all our religions and all that other stuff. Uh, listen, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is really not a denominational thing. It's a Bible thing but no strange fire. Those guys in 1 Kings 18, they were trying to call down strange fire. But the Holy Spirit is no strange fire, it's a pure stream. That water, that stream that then went out to the community had to be purified. It was a pure stream. Some of you, regardless, or maybe it's because of whatever denominational background or whatever your uh, circumstances, experiences, stuff. Listen, I came from no church background. I've been in some weird places, but that didn't turn me off from God. The fire burned everything. It wasn't an emotional fire. It burned everything. I shared this with the young people. I've been in, I've been in a service where it was everyone line up in the front and the man came and listen I, I came from a no church background so when I walked into church I looked at everything what's he wearing what's he doing what's he saying I think he's he's fake she's phony she's this and I was super critical but I also thank God for awareness even as a Christian because I was like why, why is this guy pushing on everybody's head and I remember he got to me and I'm like no I didn't verbally tell him no, but I, I, listen, I wasn't, mm -mm. But you know, there was another day in Staten Island at the church that I attended at that time, Pastor David Munizzi, who's still a wonderful man of God, a pastor down in Florida now, and I don't even know what the service was about. I just went after him service. I said, I feel a call to ministry, and I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And let me tell you something. 
wasn't allowed, no, it wasn't anything, but he put his hand on my head and it felt, I'm telling you, it felt like a flow of water just coming through my body. It was so pure, it was so clean, it wasn't worked up and then a heavenly language started coming out of my mouth. Why the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Who's it for? It's for the Christian. Why? So we have power. It's where the power comes from. The fullness of God. But I give you a warning. If you're a believer and you've been getting into witchcraft, the occult, fortune telling, things like that, you, you never want to seek supernatural answers from Jesus after you've opened the door supernaturally to the enemy. So if you're going to respond today, whether it's from your seat or in the front, and you say, Holy Spirit, fill me. If you've been involved in anything of, of witchcraft or the occult, like I said, fortune telling, magic cards, Ouija boards, all those games of spiritism, psychics, all that stuff, you need to first confess that as sin to the Lord and renounce it. And when you get home, you need to throw out whatever you may have. But how do we receive it? We ask. We ask. We say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, I want all of you. You want to know what I believe? And maybe you disagree. I believe a lot of the panic attacks and fear that we see in our generation is a Holy Spirit sounds the solution. I really do. I believe the fire of God can come and burn from head to toe. That a lot of these things will go. A lot of them will go power over pornography, Holy Spirit. The power over abusing someone, Holy Spirit. The power over fear and timidity and panic, Holy Spirit. The power to speak right and live right and think right, Holy Spirit. So I'm going to give an altar call. What is an altar call? It means you move in the direction of what you're hearing. And we're going to pray and believe God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray and believe God that God will fill us and meet us in this moment. It's gotta be a descent. You gotta go to the Jordan. Remember, before the fire came, the altar was rebuilt. And so while you're praying today, if, if that altar needs to be rebuilt, if there's some things that we need to confess to the Lord and sin, you do that. But we're also gonna leave this place saying, Holy Spirit, come. If that's you today, you can step out of your seat. You can come to the front of this church. The altars are open. Pastor Floyd said at a prayer meeting not that long ago, he said they would spend Sunday nights just praying in response of what they heard on Sunday morning. Well, this is Sunday night and Sunday morning right now. Come out of your seat this morning as the worship team begins to lead us in worship. And the pastors, we're not going to do anything weird. We're not going to push on your head. We're not going to do strange stuff, but you may feel someone put a hand on you. And that's a leader in this church pastor or an elder and someone may lay a hand on you and we believe God together for the Holy Spirit to come and fill us. If that's you and the Holy Spirit's been speaking to your heart, don't wait any longer. Come now.